Welcome back to Paper Discussions with Phoebe Dias, PD with PD. I'm Phoebe Dias, and today I'm joined by special guest, my high school doormate and best friend, Olivia Pakla, who wrote about Truman's motivation for dropping the atomic bomb. It's great to see you, Olivia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Phoebe. I'm really excited and honored to be here. So, can you tell me, why did you decide to research this topic? So, I was super interested in the effects of the atomic bomb on Japan because of my APUSH class last year. Um, so, my research initially began um, looking into that. But as I did more research and looked at more books and sources, I realized that there was a lot of ambiguity surrounding his motivations and a lot of disagreement among historians as to whether or not the Soviet Union was an influence in his decision-making process. So guided by this question, can you tell us what was your thesis in your paper? So the thesis of my paper is based on the information gathered from Truman's diary entries and private correspondence with his wife. There is not enough evidence to conclude that the Soviet Union was a bigger motivation for Truman to drop the atomic bomb than the quick end that it would bring to the war with Japan. Initially, my question was if the Soviet Union was a motivation at all for dropping the atomic bomb, Um, but through more research, I realized that Truman knew about the impact that the atomic bomb would have on post-war relations and diplomacy with the Soviet Union. Um, So the question kind of changed from if it was a motivation to how big of a motivation it was. So you got to this thesis. Can you tell us a little bit about the background information and context that help you kind of get to see where Truman's head was at during all of this? So there's two layers to the background information um, in my paper. So the first one is kind of World War II and the course of the war up until the point um, that Truman was at the Potsdam Conference in late July, early August 1945. And then the second layer is about the Manhattan Project. So I'm going to start um, with just a little bit of information about World War II. So before the bombing of Pearl Harbor, FDR tried to keep America out of the war um, through the Neutrality Act and the Lend-Lease Act. So he kind of helped other countries and gave them some aid, but didn't involve America directly in the fighting. But unfortunately, the bombing of Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, pulled America into the war, um, both on the European front and in the Pacific. So then kind of fast forward to April 12th, 1945, FDR dies and Truman is sworn into office. So at this point, Germany was essentially defeated and proceeded to unconditionally surrender a month later in May 1945 at the Battle of Stalingrad. So without the common enemy of Hitler and the Nazis to focus on, the United States and the Soviet Union could now look at each other as rival world leaders um, and instead of working with each other as allied leaders. So... Since the Soviet Union had previously made an agreement with the United States to join the war against Japan two or three months after Germany's surrender, this was kind of one of the main things on Truman's mind as he was sworn into office, was what that would mean in terms of global power, and he had to decide if he truly wanted their help or if he wanted to try to force Japan to surrender without them. Additionally, Japanese Prime Minister Tojo refused to accept unconditional surrender, despite incendiary bomb raids, defeat at the Battle of Okinawa, and immense soldier and civilian casualties on both the Japanese and American sides. So while the war seemed to be almost over with Japan, um, Japanese citizens were taught to fight until the death and would not give up until they physically had no more soldiers to fight the war. So now we're at late July, early August 1945, and the Potsdam Conference is occurring, and this is the first time that Truman is going to meet Stalin, so they both are making their first impressions of each other. 
Um, so previously to this, there were two other big three conferences between FDR, Churchill from Britain, and Stalin of the Soviet Union. Um, but Truman had never been to one of those, so this was the first time that he was going to meet all of them and see um, how the proceedings were going to go. So while Truman didn't want to be hostile to Stalin, um, he also didn't want to be too friendly. So he was kind of wary of him, but tried to remain as friendly as possible. So then the second half of my background information was on the Manhattan Project, which officially started in August 1942, despite rumors that Germany had started working on nuclear energy in 1938. Uh, but 1942 was when FDR granted laboratories, money, and people um, dedicated specifically to working on nuclear energy and building atomic bombs. Um, so citizens, scientists, and other specialists all around the country were working under the Manhattan Project, um, but some of them didn't even know what they were working on. They were given very specific tasks um, that would help advance the Manhattan Project. So the biggest lab was in Los Alamos, New Mexico, and so this was where the first successful test run of the atomic bomb occurred on July 16th, 1945, and Truman was alerted of this immediately, um, but at that time he was actually crossing the Atlantic Ocean, so he found out as soon as he arrived at the Potsdam Conference. So while he was going through all of these proceedings with Stalin, he had in the back of his mind that America did have successful nuclear energy and atomic bombs that could be used against Japan which meant that the United States might not have to include the Soviet Union in their war with Japan if they used them. So as you sprout off of this context and kind of move into your argument, you mentioned that a lot of what drove your research was a historian disagreement on this kind of topic of where Truman's head was at. Can you tell us a little bit about the historians that you looked into and the experts that you used to form your own thesis? So my historiography section of my paper was split into four parts um, for the four different historians that I really looked at and analyzed to form my own source list and my own opinion. Um, so the first one is McCullough, and he is a renowned biographer of Truman. Um, his biography is the most famous um, and the most referenced. Um, and he is a traditionalist, which means that he believes Truman dropped the atomic bomb in order to end the war with Japan. That was his main motivation. And he didn't have any consideration for how it would help the United States diplomatically with the Soviet Union. He argues that although Truman's demeanor changed towards Stalin when he found out that the atomic bomb was successful, there's no evidence to show that it was not his main motivation for dropping the atomic bomb. Um, so the next historian that I looked at was Robert Farrell, and he's also a leading historian and an expert on the Truman administration. Um, and in his biography of Truman, he's also a traditionalist in that he argues that there's a lack of proof to support the idea that Truman used the atomic bomb to impress Stalin and the Soviet Union. Um, he even takes it a step further to say that the tensions that resulted in the Cold War between the Soviet Union and the United States were inevitable, regardless of whether or not Truman considered diplomatic relations with the Soviets in his decision. And so on the other side of the spectrum is Gar Alperovitz. He is most famous for writing the book The Decision to Use the Atomic Bomb, and his argument is from the perspective of a revisionist who says that the Soviet Union was... Truman's main motivation and main consideration in his decision-making process regarding the atomic bomb. And so he uses entries from Stimson's diary entry, who was Truman's Secretary of War, and then he also uses the evidence of Truman's changed demeanor towards Stalin after the successful test run, enough evidence to show that Stalin considered the Soviet Union a central motivation for dropping the atomic bomb on Japan. Um, and then finally, I looked at Martin Sherwin. Um, 
and so he wrote an article in the American Historical Review titled The Atomic Bomb and the Origins of the Cold War, U.S. Atomic Energy Policy and Diplomacy, 1941-45. to um, So written in that, he writes his two-pronged claim that Truman considered the effects on both the war with Japan and the United States' relations with the Soviet Union when deciding to use the atomic bomb. So he was kind of a middleman. Um, he gave a perspective unlike total revisionist or total traditionalist and says that they were both equal motivations for using the bomb. Um, however, in an interview with Cindy Kelly in 2017, he kind of changed his argument and changed his perspective to totally revisionist and agreeing with Alperovitz and saying that Japan was essentially defeated and the bomb wasn't needed to end the war with them. Um, but he doesn't mention what changed his mind and what made him change his perspective, only that there would have been backlash from Congress for not using the weapon, even though it was ready and time, money, and effort had all been put into making it. So I think these four historians kind of give a good overview of the disagreement among historians about such a debated topic. So apart from these secondary sources, in your argument, you specifically look at Truman's diary entries and correspondence with his wife during the Potsdam Conference. Can you explain a little bit why you decided on these two specific sources for your paper? So all of the books and historians that I had looked at um, that were talking about this topic used a variety of sources, which is obviously expected, but they consulted other people's diary entries and um, speculation about what Truman was thinking based on the conversations that they had had with him previously. Um, but no one kind of looked just at his diary entries, entries and took them for what they were. Um, and I didn't really see anyone looking at his correspondence with his wife at the time of the Potsdam Conference, except for Robert Farrell. And so I thought looking at these two sources alone, um, and obviously in conjunction with each other, would offer the closest view to a stream of consciousness at the time of the Potsdam Conference. And I thought that it would bring a unique perspective to the table, um, because no other historian approached this topic in this way. So first of all, Truman was known to keep a diary throughout his presidency, um, not all the time, but in cases of particularly hard or difficult decisions that he had to make in office. So although I had previously read Simpson's diary entries, Burns writings, and other people's opinions of Truman's decision making during the Potsdam Conference, um, I tried to look at his diary entries just for what they were. And then in terms of his correspondence with his wife, um, it was well known that Harry relied on Vest Truman. Um, for political support and advice, and he really trusted her opinions um, on what he asked about. So as Robert Dalek, a presidential historian, put it, the first lady's greatest influence is her influence on the most powerful man in America. Um, so what Harry was writing about to Bess can offer great insight into what was going through his mind at this time. So what did these primary sources offer evidence for? Yeah, so in Truman's diary entries, he does address um, his changed demeanor with Stalin. He talks about their interactions and things like that. Um, and then in terms of the atomic bomb, all that he mentions is about how the bomb will help bring soldiers home and will help save lives, both American and Japanese, uh, by bringing a faster end to the war in the Pacific. Looking at these diary entries with the perspective that this is a stream of consciousness, this is what he's thinking about at the time, um, a lack of mention of the Soviet Union um, and how the bomb would affect post-war diplomacy with them um, was kind of mentioned enough that he wasn't thinking about this at the time, um, at least as much as he was thinking about how it would bring an end to the war quicker than just letting the war play out without using the atomic bomb. And so his correspondence with his wife um, support this idea 
because it was confirmed that Best knew about the atomic bomb before he had written these letters. Um, so she knew what he was referencing and knew what would end the war. Um, and so he writes that his first interest is the United States and he wants the Japanese war won. And then additionally, he says that the war will end a year sooner now, in quotes, um, and then he urges Best to think of the kids who won't be killed and says that is the important thing. So as Margaret Truman, the daughter of Bess and Harry, and the author of Bess's biography wrote, this omission does not imply a guilty conscience on Truman's part. So the lack of mention about the Soviet Union and the potential influence that that would have on his decision um, kind of shows that it wasn't his central motivation. It was not a bigger um, concern for him than the lives that the bomb would save. So while these sources definitely offered a lot, can you talk a little bit about some of the limitations you encountered as a result of focusing on these sources? So obviously reliability um, is a huge factor and concern when just looking at these two sources. Um, and the main one with Truman's diary entries was if he knew that the diary was going to be published, if he was writing for an audience, essentially. Um, but through a little bit of research, I found out that he was a diary keeper, um, and since these weren't just the only diary entries that he had, um, I thought that that offered enough evidence to show um, that he just kept diary entries for himself. So this consistency uh, kind of offered evidence enough that he wasn't writing for an audience. And then also, when I was reading an article about Harry and Bess's relationship, um, it kind of talked about how their relationship was changing as a result of him being the president because he had a lot more political advisors um, and confidants and people he could talk to about his decision-making. Um, so Bess wasn't the main person anymore. Um, so I got a lot of questions about kind of how much he was telling her um, and how open he, and honest he had to be with her because he did have all of these other people to confide in. Um, but regardless, this was still um, kind of new and fresh into his appointment as president. However, at this time, they were still talking a lot. They made a lot of phone calls while he was at the Potsdam Conference, and he wrote a lot of letters to her while he was at the Potsdam Conference. So that led me to believe that he was still telling her things. He was still asking for her opinion. Um, and in that case, he would need to tell her the full story um, and all of the different possibilities and motivations that would surround his decision-making. And then finally, since I did only look at two sources, um, and I didn't really consider Burns or Simpson's opinions, um, who were with him at the time of the Potsdam Conference and at the time of his decision to drop the atomic bomb, um, I kind of get a one perspective. And that obviously was the point. I was trying to get just Truman's perspective. Um, but these people were writing about their conversations that he had with them about the Soviet Union and how the bomb would influence America's relationship with them. Um, so we know that he did kind of have that in the back of his mind, and he knew some of the potential implications for using it. Um, there wasn't enough evidence in the sources that I looked at um, to prove that it was more of a motivation for him than ending the war quickly with Japan. But it was because of these other sources that I had to change my thesis from whether or not the Soviet Union was a factor and motivation for him, um, but instead to what extent was it more of a factor than the war with Japan. Thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us about your paper. Um, it's been awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Phoebe. I honestly can't wait to get back here.